This won't end well for Illinois. Here's a three. It ended well. McCourt for the win. In the air. It is up. And it is good. Fourth and 16. Pressure comes. And Matt Orbebe with the ball in the air. Makes the catch. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another quarantined edition of Oski Talk. My name is Anthony Pasquale with Patrick Hadazone and somebody who you should be expecting to hear more from, Mariah Guzman. Thanks for joining us today. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on a little bit more. So we're going to, this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, NFL draft that was um, via a bunch of different Zoom calls on ESPN last week. Unfortunately, Noah Lini got taken in the draft, but we'll touch on that in a little bit. We're going to start with the number one pick. Joe Burrow goes in front of Chase Young. What do you guys think of that from the Cincinnati Bengals and Washington Redskins? I mean, for me personally, how do you not take him first? <laughs> like, I just didn't see an issue with Burrow being first, obviously, and he's had the best season in college football history, and typically quarterbacks just change the game a lot more than D's do. So, like, I don't see any issue with it, and I didn't think that it was, like, totally out of place for that to happen. Yeah, I think the argument is you have the greatest college football quarterback of all time versus what might be one of the greatest defensive end prospects of all time. I wouldn't necessarily say he was the greatest defensive end, I mean – his performance in the college football playoff wasn't amazing. But Chase Young is a generational talent. That's the difference. And Joe Burrow, while obviously, you know, he was one of the greatest players in college football history, led LSU to, what was it, 15-0 and season, um, was amazing in the playoffs, led his team even during a rough time in that Clemson game. But there's still some, I feel like, some negatives to him. Um the hand size was a thing. I don't think that really matters. But when you look at that LSU team, there's a lot of talent on that team. Did he get help? Obviously, I don't personally think so. I think he is the greatest college football player of all time. But in terms of prospects and where they can be, Chase Young might have been the better guy. Okay, yeah, I agree with that. I'm going to take the, the argument in two directions here. I think when you're when you're talking about the best player right now, and the most NFL-ready guy and all of that, that's Chase Young. He's a better prospect, probably built for a better career. But to Mariah's point, quarterback touches the ball 60, 70 times a game minimum, and a defensive lineman touches, like, makes an impact on a play five, six times, you know, four tackles and a sack. That's a good game from a D lineman. Like, the the amount of impact that Joe Burrow's going to make uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals will be way more felt than Chase Young with the Redskins. And, you know, you brought up the point that um, Burrow got a lot of help with LSU. Yeah, they had one of the best offenses of all time. But at the same time, Ohio State's defense was really good. They had, like, I think 
three players from the defense drafted in the first round. Oduka win a pick after him. So when you have all those good coverage guys, it takes longer for those receivers to get open, which gives you more time for those D linemen to break through and get sacks. And, you know, I, I think going to the Redskins and you're up against, you know, the Dallas Cowboys offensive line and the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line twice a year, it's not going to be as easy for Chase Young as a lot of people are, are knocking Burrow for that. Um, but the fact of the matter is both those guys, I think, are the two best players in the draft and deserve to go one and two. And when you look at the Bengals, too, I think they just needed to move on from Andy Dalton. I think that that was a huge factor in their decision, too, and that Burrow is just historically too good not to take. And, I mean, you can look at picks all you want and one and two and how that went, but obviously you guys know that from the history of drafts, we really don't know much, and this only means so much, and our opinions only matter so much until we actually see these guys on the field playing in their first NFL season. Yeah, that's another thing I saw. I saw somebody grade every team's draft, and then it, for every team it said incomplete three to four years, check back. Because that's when you can truly grade a draft or a draft class. And the other thing I think is important to mention, you know, the Redskins have their guy at quarterback, or at least they think they do, in, in Dwayne Haskins. So, of course, they're going to look for Chase Young, but if you don't have a quarterback for the future and you draft a D lineman one, you're still not going to win. You're still going to win two games and lose 14. If you still don't have a quarterback, it's such a more important position, which is why I think the Bengals were dead right to go Joe Burrow. Number one. And they almost were stuck in that position because you can't not draft a guy from Athens, Ohio. Yeah. That's to too. play for the Cincinnati, mm-hmm. Ohio Bengals. Like it just came down to the fact that you, you were, they were put in a position where they, physically could not draft Chase Young and not have unbelievable outlash from their fan base. So it is what it is. We'll see. Check back in a couple of years. I think that's a good place to end it. But let's talk a little bit about the Illini. No one getting drafted in this one. Kind of a shocker. Yeah, Wole Batiku, Dele Harding, Reggie Corbin, Jamal Milan, Stanley Green, and Dre Brown were all eligible to get drafted and not a single one were of the 225 picks selected. And also, not a single one got signed as an undrafted free agent. We were preparing for a few of those guys to get drafted, and we also wrote up some briefs for some of them to get signed. And the fact that none of them even made a team at all came as a pretty big shock to me. I think that I expected at least one and I know, I know Illini Nation is going to come for me when I say this, but I didn't see Reggie Corbin getting drafted, but I did expect some kind of undrafted deal. So I, I was thrown on that, and I was thrown on that for a few guys. I think that the guys that had another year left should have taken it. I think that... Wale was chasing the bag, and rightfully so. He definitely had his reasons, his personal reasons to do so, but I think he could have used another year. I don't think that he did much at USC, and then he had one year with us with the Illini, and he had a great year. Obviously, when you're on Lovey's defense, you're going to show up, and you're going to improve drastically, but I think that he could have really used another year, and he would have been he would have been drafted. And I just, it kind of hurts to see that these guys that we watch play 
all the time and you know none of them get those free agent deals and none of them have gotten drafted and I mean it's over for them for so I don't know I think it sucks but I think that I don't know I don't know what those conversations are that go on behind the scenes you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I don't know what the coaches talked to them and when they decided that they were going to declare and when they made that move to not take the extra year I mean some of them didn't have one but I don't know, it's tough. Yeah, it, it definitely is, and I'm going to touch on two of the points you made. I'll start with the, the Reggie one. Um, I think the Reggie situation is almost the opposite of all these other guys. I think if he goes after last year, he probably gets drafted. He had an over in a 1,000-yard year, like 12 touchdowns, I think, and then he decided he wanted to come back, prioritized winning here, and as a result took a, a less workload in the backfield. Dre Brown got involved more. And they had kind of a two-headed monster, but neither one of them had numbers that jumped off the page. So that hurts both of them in terms of getting drafted. Neither one got invited to a, the combine, so they had to have their own pro day here. And, you know, Corbin had like a top 10 40, but if, if you don't see those numbers jumping off the page, you're probably not going to look that far into it. So I, I think Reggie obviously is made the right decision you know he made a bowl game he got to experience that in college and he said all along this was the best decision he's made but in terms of his NFL career he might have had a a better chance at getting on a team if he left after last year and then to your point on on Wally Batiku he lit it up at the Illini pro uh, pro day he had one of the better more impressive um, like I, you know, the high jump, the 40, he ranked like within the top five of a lot of at his position. If you compare that to the actual combine. So I was actually right. expecting yeah, him even, yeah. and, and he didn't get either. So, I mean, it, it is tough, like you said. Um, but I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a glass half full guy. Patrick knows this from being on the podcast with me for like 50 something episodes. I think, you know, maybe none this year, but I think they'll get quite a few drafted next year. And I'm a little bit of the opposite, glass half empty. I think when you look at Reggie Corbin, it's not necessarily that he didn't get the yards. I just don't think he's the running back that NFL teams see themselves with. Reggie Corbin isn't a guy who comes out of the backfield and, and catches uh, you know, a large catch for 20-plus yards, right? He's not necessarily that kind of running back, and that's what NFL teams are looking for. He didn't fit that mix. He didn't have that great of a season. I mean, he still had a good season. And at the end of the day, he absolutely made the right move by not going to the draft last year. He gets his degree. Um, it was a question mark of whether or not he was going to get drafted last year. So now he's got his degree. He didn't get drafted. He can try and make a spot on a practice team, and we'll see where he goes. On the other side of that, Wooly Batiku should have stayed an extra year. I think if he stays another year, he probably makes the senior bowl and probably gets drafted in the fifth round, sixth round, um, and, and has a good season with the Illini. He gets probably 10 sacks. As a, he started off the season super hot last year. And after two years of that kind of production, after some injuries in the beginning of the year of your career, that looks really good. So Wooley probably should have stayed another year. He'll probably make a practice squad as well and might end up on an NFL roster. Uh, but both these guys, I think, will probably have an opportunity to make it up if football happens in the summer. And with Reggie, if we're going to keep that conversation going with him, running backs are a dying position in the NFL. I I just didn't see any team's need to draft him. And when he's obviously gone undrafted, it, it wasn't surprising to me. And 
I just think that, like you said, or like Anthony said, he was surrounded by a better product of a team this year. So does that have something to do with what we saw from him? Because if you saw him in the 2018 season, an entirely different player, he was a standout player every single time. This past season, you got him on the field, and, I mean, he did great things. It's not like he absolutely sucked, obviously. But we saw a lot more names popping up this season, and that was because they just overall had a better team. And if NFL sees that, you're not going to – there's just not going to be a want for him. And I think that that also leads into the discussion of, it. like, we had a great season. The Illini had a great season but are they producing guys that can go into the NFL? Are they helping guide them to that place? Or are they just helping them be great in college and be great against the guys that they're going against in college? And I, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's hard to imagine. And obviously we still have many more years of hopefully an improving Illini team under Lovey Smith. But I think that that's something that Illinois should focus on too. Yeah. You <clears throat> excuse me. You bring up two really good points there. I think I'll touch on the Reggie one in a second. But so you look at like the college football playoff every year, and you know you got your Alabamas, your LSU's, yeah, you know your Clemson's, and then the fourth team's always like you know like an Oklahoma or a Georgia or whatever. And those teams they recruit to beat the teams in their conference. Oklahoma recruits to beat you know Big Twelve teams. And they're no match up against Alabama's. Like that's that's just the the fact of the matter. Like and that's how it goes. Illinois recruits to beat Big Ten teams, and Big Ten teams aren't built the same way as NFL teams primarily. And I think that's a good point. You know the way there's so much NFL talent coming out of the SEC. That's because the SEC plays as close to the NFL as any college you know league. And to touch back to the the Reggie Corbin. Um, point you made and the point Patrick made I think you look at the NFL and you look at the running backs you've got your your small and quick receiving backs you know your your Darren Sproles your like Tariq Cohen's and that's the kind of build that Reggie Corbin is but he doesn't fit that mold he's not a receiving guy he wasn't a screen pass guy he wasn't a go out for routes guy he was a feature back and when you look at the feature backs around the NFL you've got your Ezekiel Elliott's your Saquon Barkley's or your bruisers like Derrick Henry and, and Reggie Corbin just doesn't fit those molds. If you want, honestly, I think the, the running back better fit for the NFL is Dre Brown because he's much more versatile. He can run in between the tackles, he can stretch the field, and he can catch the ball. But unfortunately, he was stuck behind Reggie Corbin for four years. And when he got his chance, it actually ended up hurting both of their draft stocks in the long run. So I, I think, you know, who knows what will happen? I think both of them definitely have the willpower to, you know, fight and claw and find their way on the practice squad. But at the same time, Dre Brown has a degree in a family now. So how much time can he really spend trying to get on that NFL team when he has a family to support? But those are all, you know, discussions for the Brown family and not me to have. So, Pat, I'll, I'll give it over to you. Yeah, um, I just want to touch on Mariah's point there. Can Illinois get guys into the draft and get guys drafted? Yes. I think... The problem with this year's draft was one guy left too early, and Reggie Corbin is not, like Anthony just said, and like I said, is not the prototypical running back now for the NFL. Now let's let's look at next year's team. There's a lot of guys in this, and, and specifically the spread offense that we run, 
that can get drafted. I think Bebe could get drafted, Kendrick Green, Freddie and Lowe, um, another guy on the um, – um, Kramer, Palchowski. Kramer, Palcho might get um, drafted. Uh, Bebe, I don't know if I said him yet. Um, we're going to talk about one guy a little bit later who just got named to the Senior Bowl, uh, the pre-senior, preseason Senior Bowl watch list. Um, and uh, Hobbs, too. Hobbs, maybe Adams. Um, those are maybe eight guys that I think really have a, a, a and Milo as well. Um, all guys who have uh, potential and maybe Hanson too. We'll see. Um, he might be a little bit undersized, but let's throw him in there. He'll probably get signed to a practice squad. Um, love, love Jake. I really do hope he gets drafted. But those those guys are guys who can get drafted. I think this year just looks bad because the players that were getting drafted were just not the NFL type, and I think. Next year, this spread offense will look a little bit different because it's going to look more like uh, the new spread offenses that NFL teams are, are putting in place and Big Ten teams are now um, obviously doing that as well. So, um, Right, and I think um, we can also have that discussion as it comes closer to the season, hopefully starting in the fall. So, I mean, it's all up in the air for now. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on, let's talk really quick. Um, about a guy who got just named to the preseason senior bowl watch list. It's Brandon Peters, quarterback for the University of Illinois. A little bit of a surprise, but I said it last, I think probably three months ago, uh, four months ago, that the dive in the Red Box Bowl game to me could be a Joe Burrow moment when Joe Burrow just got rocked in the Cotton Bowl, came back next year, Obviously had a Hall of Fame season. I'm not saying Brandon Peters can will, will have an all Hall of Fame season, but he certainly showed some grit in that game and that he cared a lot about this team. And I hope that that translates into a better product next year. Yeah, there's there's two things to that that really stuck out to me, and that's what that like our podcast right after the Red Box Bowl. We probably talked about that play for like 15 minutes. It was like it it was it stuck out to me so much. I think it was fourth and 16 with like a minute and 20 left and they're down more than two scores you have no business doing that and and that just shows how much he cares about it and and here's the other thing I think Peters was very unselfish last year you know if if it was rainy he was fine handing the ball off 30 times and throwing it three and then winning the game if he needed to take a read option and run 60 yards and slide down at the two he'll do that too but um I think he he made his name well known because Illinois had a pretty good year and he's a recruit that came from Michigan and that's a pretty big school and that's a pretty big team. A lot of coaches know the kid and I think that plays into his factor a little bit this year. I think he'll be able to turn some more heads because more people will be looking for him to do that. And, you know, I I like the relationship he and Rod Smith had, especially towards the end of the year. I think they can build on that this year and, and Peters could put together a heck of a season. And with Peters, I think a lot of him, so I think I can kind of tie this in with the MJ documentary. So with this Sunday's episode, you saw a lot of what it meant for Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman to feel needed by MJ. And I think that their performance levels changed once they felt that need or once they felt neglected, the guys kind of wavered, right? So when you look at Brandon Peters, I don't think he felt needed at Michigan and he wasn't getting the opportunities that he wanted. He comes to Illinois. He is literally our guy 
everybody is relying on him. He is the guy that we're looking at to improve this season. And he's being coached under Lovey Smith and it's all it's all going for him. And I think that that was a huge change. I think that he always had that great player mentality inside of him, but he needed the environment that was going to pull it out of him. And I think that with this season coming up, especially if he can just capitalize on that and be the QB that Jim Harbaugh recruited him to be, I think that, I mean, he's going to be great. And I think he has a great chance of getting drafted, especially pretty early on too. I don't see it being an undrafted type of thing either, but obviously super up in the air, but that's what I see from him. If I could piggyback off Mariah, what Mariah just said, absolutely right. I think he hit it on the nail. To another extent, without Dre Brown, without Reggie Corbin, we're going to need uh, – Rod Smith's going to need Brandon Peters way more this year. I think we're throwing the ball probably 70% of the time next year. It's going to be a little bit of a different team um, because they see the potential in him. So they need him now, I think, more than last year, more than when he was needed at Michigan. So absolutely – Completely agree with Mariah's point there. Yeah, I mean, in the backfield, you'll have Mike Epstein coming back from injury. You'll have, um, is it is Sidney or Chase Brown, the running back? I always get confused. One of the Browns will be in the backfield, and then you still have Rayvon Bonner and, and Reggie Love coming in. So you, got, you still have a little bit in the backfield, but it's not Corbin and Dre Brown. But in terms of pass catchers, you still have Bebe, who Peters developed a great connection with, and Luke Ford's going to be catching passes this year. That's going to be a nice security blanket for Peters. And I think he can, like you said, they could turn this offense into a throwing one, and Peters can hold the anchor down. Don't forget Ricky Smalling, man. I, we're now loaded to throw the ball down the field. Hopefully Rod Smith sees that too and, and switches the offense a little bit more towards that. Uh, he did towards the end of the year too. Yeah, and it worked. Like the, the Michigan State game. They were throwing a lot, and obviously it was, it was Bebe catching like four passes for 200 yards, and he scored like every time he touched the ball. But, you know, using Bebe and the other receivers plus Luke Ford and, you know, some of those guys out of the backfield, the offense looks a lot different than it did last year, and I'm excited to see it. And enough football talk for now. We're going to get into a little bit of recruiting talk. Pat got a chance to sit down with uh, Jake Weingarten and talk a little bit of Illini recruiting, so we'll send you that interview right now. On this week's episode of Oski Talk, we have Jake Weingarten, owner of StockRisers.com and college basketball hoops recruiting expert. Jake, let's kind of uh, start off by saying, how, how are you doing during these uh, these tough times right now? Uh, man, I'm in New York City, so, you know, um, it's crazy times. Uh, I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane what's going on. Actually, so I'm in college, so I go to the University of Louisville, actually. And, you know, um, I was on my spring break here in New York City, and I come home a lot. So, you know, it was kind of the norm, you know, being home. And I was getting ready to go back, and about three, two or three days before I was supposed to go back to school, like, I'm already packed up and stuff. I get an email from the president of our school, and they're like, you know, classes are going to be online for the next week, and, you know, spring break's extended. So I was still going to go back just because it's a week and I already have my flight, like it's whatever. And so I was ready to go back. And then about a day before I was about to leave, they emailed saying that everything's online for the rest of the semester. So it was just crazy. Um, I went home. All my stuff is still there, actually. I came I came back on spring break, you know, expecting to go back. And I'm in New York City, so it's kind of hard to travel right now. But, um, you know, I'm, 
I'm happy, you know, that things are, you know, kind of winding down here and, you know, I'm ready for it all to be over and for things to get back to normal. Yeah, absolutely. And, and recruiting obviously being a pretty big part of that. Is, is your workload kind of increased because of it? You're hearing different oh. things from coaches and stuff? Oh, yeah, for sure. And especially, you know, with everything going on, the transfer portal has been more active. Um, you know, obviously, people are making tons of jokes about it. You know, everyone's entering the transfer portal. It's been it's been hectic, but, um, you know, it's given high school coaches more time, you know, to sit down and actually evaluate these prospects more. Um, obviously, losing out on spring and, you know, the summer is, you know, crucial for these coaches. But, you know, it's given them more film and, you know, it's given them more time to sit down and get to know the guys. Um, you know, these Zoom calls have been real effective for the coaches. Um, they're happening pretty much every day. So, but I mean, as far as, you know, losing spring and summer goes, it was major for guys who were set to break out and break out of the scene. Um, and that's kind of where, you know, I'm trying to get in and, you know, I'm trying to figure out ways where, you know, I can help these guys that were set to break out, you know, get some exposure. So, but uh, AAU did come out with a statement and AAU isn't directly um, associated with UIBL and those, uh, those outlets and those brands, but AAU is thinking about possibly coming back and doing, you know, a little event, you know, close to the public. So I'm, I'm expecting there's going to be ways, you know, for those guys that broke out onto the scene or were set to break out to, you know, show their show their uh, talents and, you know, showcase their, their uh, game. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about you, too. Um, you created your own company. How did how'd you kind of start off basically on your own to uh, becoming a – verified on Twitter and, and a recruiting insider? Um, you know, it was kind of just, you know, a lot of hard work. It started when I was a freshman in high school. Um, you know, I was at a Madison, I was at Madison Square Garden. I, I live 20 minutes away from MSG, so I'm pretty much there a lot. And, you know, Kentucky was playing Kansas. And this was in, like, 2014, 2015, and Quade Green was there. And I didn't know who he was at the time. I didn't know anything about recruiting at the time. And, you know, I saw all these people surrounding Quade, and I'm like, man, like, what's all this hype around the kid? Like, what, what is it? Like, I don't understand. And, you know, just the college atmosphere and, you know, recruiting, you know, I looked into it more and it's something, you know, I want to become a part of. And I played basketball. I played AAU. I played travel ball. So, you know, um, I could hoop. I could, I could go. But I realized that at an early time, thankfully, that, you know, the NBA wasn't where I was going to end up when I was older. And, you know, being a kid from New York City, everyone's dream is to go to the NBA. I mean, that's every kid's dream that plays basketball. But, you know, thankfully at a young age, you know, I realized that only, you know, hundreds out of millions of people that, you know, try actually make the NBA. So, you know, I had to pursue something different. And my uncle is actually um, an NFL beat writer and beat reporter. And, you know, seeing what he's done and how he's been so involved with players and stuff, you know, it's something that I wanted to do but with basketball. And he didn't help me at all. Obviously, he gave me advice. But, you know, I, I had, you know, up as a child, you know, things weren't, you know, great for me health-wise. And, you know, I've been through a lot. A lot of people don't know my story. But, um, you know, I kind of want to prove things on my own and prove people wrong. And, you know, help was offered to me, you know, but I wanted to do it all on my own. And, you know, this website is completely my own. I, I do it all alone. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to have everything I have. I'm blessed for the relationships and all the networking I've been able to do and, you know, I'm just, it only goes up from here. There's no way that I could go down and knock on wood. But, you know, I'm excited for my future. And, you know, all the guys that I've met, I know some guys in the NBA. I know some guys who are going to be in the NBA, college players. I just built great relationships, and I'm excited. Yeah, and, and for people who don't know your story, what what is it? So I actually grew up with epilepsy. 
Um, it's not something that, you know, everyone knows. I wrote a story about it last year, um, but I, I obviously didn't have the big following last year like I do now. And, you know, growing up with epilepsy as a kid, you know, I was struggling. I mean, I was homeschooled for a little bit. I basically spent my childhood in the hospital. So, um, you know, it's it was definitely rough. Um, it, it was definitely, you know, hard times for my family and I. But, you know, I outgrew it right when I got into high school, thankfully. Um, but, you know, it was it was hard. And sports was kind of my way out. And sports and, you know, being in the hospital and being at home so much, you know, gave me time, you know, to watch sports and stuff like that. And I was still able to play. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I played basketball like I said in elementary school middle school high school AU but you know it wasn't easy like before my elementary school games I was having these little episodes where you know I was getting dizzy and I was basically passed out and you know it wasn't fun and you know I don't use it for attention I don't but that's kind of the reason I didn't make it you know a big deal but you know it's it's part of me and you know I'm not afraid to talk about it and I'm not afraid to you know say I was epileptic you know I, it's good that you know I can inspire kids with epilepsy i've done it before i've I've started my i'm gonna i plan on starting my own little foundation you know when i get a bigger following and when i'm starting to make a little more money so that i can provide but you know i'm excited you know to help these kids and you know growing up having that wasn't easy but you know i proved a lot of people wrong and that's been my goal my whole life yeah that's amazing um you mentioned aau too obviously how does being an aau player former aau player help you kind of connect with guys and has it created more connections for you um yeah that's one of the things um that's not really the main reason i think the main reason i connect so well is you know i'm, I'm in their age range so um that really helps also i can really connect with them um you know and also the fact that you know i do know the game i've played AAU before not maybe not on EYL or under armor but you know i played travel basketball i've experienced it so you know my past experiences and and just the fact that I can, you know, you know, I can compare with these guys because we're the same age, basically. So I'm 19 years old, and you know, a lot of these guys are anywhere from 15 to to 18, 19 years old. So, um, you know, my age definitely helps, and the fact that I know the game also, you know, helps as well. So, um, you know, there's different reasons why I connect with these guys in a in a good way. Um, no offense to any older media, but. Um, you know, just being in their age, you know, they, it, it's more than basketball sometimes, you know, we'll talk about rappers or video games or the NBA or, you know, stuff like that. So just the fact that I can connect really helps my cause. Yeah, I've definitely felt that uh, just being in like the press room, people talking about like going out and stuff and they're like, wow, kids go out like four times a week and I'm, I'm sitting there. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, absolutely. I do. Um, of course. Uh, anyways, uh, let's get a little bit into you, like nitty gritty. Um, Adam Miller finally signed with the Illini. Were the rumors true that the he was looking at Michigan or Michigan was seriously pursuing him uh, those last couple months? Um, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't come out and say that, you know, I'm, I'm going to be real honest. Um, not Nobody really knows what, what happened with, you know, Adam Miller in Michigan and those rumors. But, you know, I'm going to be honest, I, I doubt it's real. Um, I, I, this happens all the time. But, I, I mean, if it was real, that's great. I mean, look where he ended up. He ended up where he should be with the Illini. So, um, you know, this is big for Brad Underwood. Um, he's been absolutely killing it. And, I mean, I think, you know, he's going to get more pieces for 2021. Obviously, Miller in the 2020 class is great, and they got Luke Goody for uh, 2021 already. But um, as far as Adam Miller goes, um, you know, I think it was meant to be. And at the end of the day, like I just said, look where he ended up. And I think it, that's where he should be. 
Yeah, you think he's a good fit for the Illini, say, even if Io comes back? Oh, of course. Um, you know, I think – I'm not sure if he'll be a one-and-done, Adam Miller, but he'll definitely be, if not a one-year player, two-year player. Um, I don't think Io – if Io decides to come back, I don't think he'll be back for a season after that, obviously. So, um, Adam Miller, you know, great fit. Um, he's an athlete, crafty guard, a two-way guard, definitely. Um, definitely fun to watch. And the fact that, you know, he's staying at home, it's even better. So, um, whether Io comes back or not, I think Adam Miller's in the right place. And I think Brad Underwood and his staff and, you know, playing in the Big Ten after the season they had, um, I think the future's real bright. And then talking a little bit about some of the guys who are recently declared for the draft, Kofi Coburn and obviously Io. You think Coburn has a real chance to get drafted? Oh, for sure. Um, that's if he opts to stay in the draft. But, um, you know, Kofi... I actually got to watch play a lot. Um, he's actually formerly from New York City. Uh, he played at Christ the King High School before going to Oak Hill. Um, so my high school, actually, we played against him. So um, I've had a firsthand look for years. And, you know, seeing him play in high school, you know, he was obviously, he had the size that nobody had. And, you know, a premier shot blocker, premier rebounder, um, all of that. So, um, you know, Kofi... If, if he does opt to stay in the draft, you know, maybe he'll be a second-round pick. Maybe he'll lean in the first round. I think, you know, the fact that he didn't have the combine and these, and these pro days that agencies hold and all that kind of stuff, I think that was a big deal for him. And, you know, that's where a lot of guys were going to prove their worth. But, you know, as far as Kofi goes, I think maybe he'd benefit from one more year. It wouldn't hurt. But, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he left for the draft. But, um, you know, either either route he goes will be beneficial for him because if he did find himself on a draft and, you know, being undrafted, I don't think it would be the way the worst-case scenario for him because, you know, he'll prove himself in the G League or whatever he has to do. Yeah, and, and for kind of scouts like that, do you think not having those pro days and, and combines, are they going to look more towards the college career and what they did in college or just raw talent that they see? Um, yeah, obviously college will be the factor because, you know, that's the highest level they played at. So obviously, you know, they'll look at that film. If you got a guy like Io, who, you know, people are saying, uh, maybe he'll dip into the second round or, you know, late first round, whatever it is. Um, you know, his college film, you know, shows it all. I mean, proven leader, um, good scorer, you know, he was effective in college. Um, you know, but if a guy like Io returns to college for one year, um, you know, returning to college will never hurt. Um. Like you just like I just said with a guy like Kofi, you know, who could dip into the draft, but you know, it's not, you know, it's not definite, it's not promised. But you know, having that college film and you know playing in a conference like the Big Ten is real important, especially for the fact that you know there's going to be guys in the Big Ten draft, and Big Ten one of the most uh, you know viewed platforms and conferences in the country. So you know, Kofi. And Io, you know, I think they were able to prove themselves, especially Io. But you know, Kofi wasn't expected to, you know, break out like this in his first season. So if he returns for one more year, I think without a doubt he'll be a first round pick. Yeah, I think every Illini fan wants to see Kofi return. But the fact of the matter is, is he's twenty. I think he's twenty or twenty one. Um, yeah, he's he, old. Is, he is older. So right, so yeah. it it makes you kind of think maybe he goes right to the draft, um, and makes sense for him. You know, family yeah, it, does, it, it does make sense for him. I, I definitely agree. Um, but, you know, adding one more year, if you look at it, might not hurt him that much. You know, 
at one more year isn't a big deal. Um, as far as the NBA goes, guys can play till they're 35. But as far as big men goes and that size and all that, you don't know how much how much he'll have in the league. But, you know, I think if he goes back one more year after the season he had, I mean, it's going to be scary, you know, especially with the pieces the Illini has. Um, Brad Underwood, you know, could, could possibly push for a Big Ten title with that team. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit about New York because it seems like the Illini have been doing a pretty good job of recruiting your court, or, uh, New York, yep. excuse me, right now. Why do you yes. think that that is? Um, you know, sheesh, I can't even give an exact reason. Um, besides the fact I'm going to be a little biased here because you know I've been living in New York City my whole life. But um, I think we're the most underrated state as far as basketball goes. And you'd think that's crazy. And I know people are going to listen to this and be like, how are they underrated? I mean, they're, they're one of the biggest places in the world. How, how could they be underrated? And I think it's just the fact that, you know, people see us as more of uh, a finesse area instead of, you know, fundamentals and IQ. People see us as, you know, jelly layups and, you know, finesse and being crafty. But, I mean, does that is that really a bad thing? Like, Dior Johnson, um, Andre Carbello, I mean, the, the list grows. I mean, there's just – our guards are great. Our bigs are great. I mean, and like I said, I'm going to be biased here because, you know, this is where I live. But, you know, the fact that they dip into New York and, you know, actually realize the talent we have, I, I appreciate it because I've been watching New York basketball my whole life. And I'm thinking to myself, how is this guy ending up at a D2 school? I mean, it's just I've seen him play, and he's competed against great talent. How is he ending up D2? And I think it's the fact that, you know, New York ends up being a little under-recruited. But obviously, in tw- we're in 2020 now. I think that's going to change. And, you know, with Lou High and, you know, OSL and some of these powerhouses that we have, I think, you know, it definitely sets, you know, great horizons for New York basketball. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. Um, there's certainly a lot of talent there. I mean, even Alan Griffin, obviously, was a fantastic player. Oh, yes. I don't know how I forgot Alan Griffin, but, yeah, Alan Griffin, I mean, he was he was good at Illinois. Um, you know, I think if he stayed, you know, I, I don't know what would have happened, but, you know, him and his brother are also guys, you know, that have, have been inspirations. I can't even use the word inspiration because New York, New York guys, as long as, you know, they're well-known, they're definitely inspirations for younger guys. Um, I can tell you this because I was once a kid in New York. Um, but, you know, if you go to a basketball game in New York, New York City, these crowds are ridiculous. And that's 365 days a year. I mean, Dykeman Park, Rucker Park during the summer, and then you've got all, all the school stuff going on during the winter and the fall. So, I mean, it, it's basketball is a 365 days a year type of thing in New York. And, you know, it's it's going to continue to be that way. And the fact that Brad Underwood's dipping, you know, into New York and finding talent out of New York City and New York State, I mean, I think we'll continue that trend, especially because there's a lot of kids, you know, 2023, 2022, 2024 that I've been able to watch that, you know, I think, you know, Brad Underwood will, will watch and be like, man, you know, we've, we dipped into New York, gotten to Griffin and, you know, gotten Curbelo and gotten those guys. So, I mean, I think it will be a, a trend for the Illini. Yeah, and, and I I've always thought this is the reason why New York has never really been seen as a well, even though it is a basketball city is just because the Knicks are so bad that like <laughs> yeah. like oh, the, that, that that definitely could be a reason definitely I mean Chicago is because I mean our success in the '90s the Bulls Michael Jordan everyone can easily see you know Chicago is a, a big basketball factory even though some a lot of guys haven't turned out um, the way that everyone thought they would and Jaheel Okafor Jabari Parker. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, obviously New York is, is loaded with talent. Um, moving on, talk about, um, kind of wrapping it up here. A couple of guys, uh, Jordan Nesbitt, do you Mm -hmm. think he, uh, reclassifies? Um, I don't think he should. Um, just for the fact, I think he's under ranked actually. Um, I think he's definitely a top 75, top 100 caliber player. Um, he's ranked outside the 100s. Um, which, you know, understandable, you know, he doesn't play on a major platform. I mean, St. Louis Christian Academies, you know, not, not the biggest prep school, but now they're playing on national events, which is great. Um, having that 30-point game against prolific prep is, you know, really where things started for him. I, I saw him play before that. I've been in contact with him for, for a while now. But, you know, reclassifying, I, I don't think he should. Um, just for the fact, I don't think he reached his highest potential yet. And as far as recruiting goes, I think, if he does one more year and you know, gets to play the beginning of his high school season at some point, you know, I, I think it will be effective, and I think he'll land more offers. Um, you know, the Illini are my favorite for him right now. Um, obviously, you know, the, the offers are racking in by the week, so, you know, things could change. But I would have the Illini as a favorite right now. And the other guy, I mean, I think it's important. I, the Illini need a center next year. I don't know who they're going to get if Kofi leaves. Um, yeah, um, they are they're looking at Charles Bediaco. Um, I don't know if that's the guy you were gonna say, but um they have been targeting him. Um, you know, he's probably recla- if he reclassifies, which he said he's not going to, um, I think he's top fifty regardless. And he's top fifty right now, but you know, I think he could be top fifty regardless. And, you know, he's got size, six eleven frame, and you know, he's got He's got muscle on him, so I mean, you know, that's a guy that colleges are going to look at and be like, man, like he can fit in the college system right away. So um, with the Alina, as far as they go, um, before the recruiting ban was on, you know, when the virus started, the Alina staff went to see him. I believe it could have been early March or late February. The entire staff went to see him, and you know, they've stayed in touch. They stayed in contact. Um, a lot of people think, you know, he could be a one and done if he were to go to the Illini. Um, he's proven himself. Um, you know, he's from Canada. Canada's talent, you know, is definitely going up right now. I remember the Illini were going after Quincy Garrier. Garrier, I, I always forgot to pronounce his name. I remember they, they were going after him. And, you know, he did compete against Betty Ako. And I'm sure that's probably when Underwood and his staff first saw Betty Ako. But Betty Ako kind of, you know, that's another guy. His recruitment's really, really difficult to compete with. You've got blue bloods. I mean, you've got 25-plus schools involved. You know, it's not going to be easy. So, But the fact that, you know, the full staff went to see him, they stayed in touch, I think they're doing all the right things. And, you know, they could be in a good spot for him. Well, that's good to hear. I, I was also going to mention uh, Mac ATN um, as a potential, <laughs> but I don't think he'll reclassify for 20, uh, 2020. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I've got an interview. Uh, really, he did a full in-depth breakdown. I think it might be the most in-depth he's done. Um, you know, he, he basically listed everything that's going on. He said he's 50-50 on it, so obviously that gives him a chance to go either way. Um, I do think the Illini will be a threat if he does reclassify, because if you look at his other the other uh, teams they're going up against, you got UConn. Um, UConn's loaded with big, especially as far as 2020 goes. Um, Syracuse, you know, I would call them a threat if he does decide to reclassify. You know, they don't have that many bigs on their roster, especially a, a guy of Etienne's uh, caliber. Um, you know, Louisville, 
is a school that recently offered. They're looking for a big man, so they could be a threat if he reclassifies. Um, Kansas, you know, they didn't have a big 2020 class, so reclassifying, you know, might make that difficult. So what I'm saying is um, reclassifying, if he does, it's going to be a race. But the fact that Illinois did have an official visit is crucial. Well, that's good to hear. Thank you so much for uh, doing this uh, interview. We're glad to uh, learn a little about you and, and of course, learn a little bit more about uh, Illini recruiting. Of course. I appreciate it anytime. Stay safe. You too, man. Thanks, Jake, for coming on and Ask Talk. We really appreciate it. Learned a lot. I'm feeling much better about the Illini season in, in 2020-2021. I think he made me feel okay with losing Kofi. That Underwood and company is is fi- going to find a way to find a center that will fit in and, and hopefully get production almost immediately. So we're hoping for that. And Adam Miller is the real deal. I'm excited to see him play too. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to see Adam Miller play. And I think I, I personally, obviously I'm the glass half full guy. We've been over this. I don't think the door is completely shut on Kofi coming back. I think that's still a very big possibility. Um but, you know, for the time being, it looks like he's gone. And I think, I mean, Underwood has done a phenomenal job recruiting. I don't think, I don't see this being a huge challenge for him. I think he'll be able to find somebody to, to slot into the five or maybe a stretch four like he talked about a lot and get Georgie back to the five where he produced better last season or two seasons ago. That would be now. But, you know, I, I'm excited for both teams, football and basketball, coming 2020-21. Yeah, and... It, it seems like uh, Alliance Sports is going to have a little bit of a comeback in this upcoming year. So it'll be exciting as long as sports happen. That's all, that's all that matters. Here's to hoping. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Oski Talk. We thank Mariah again for coming on the show, but she'll be on a lot in the near future. But for Patrick Catazone, I'm Anthony Pasquale, ILL. I and I.